Yes, people, it's episode 220 of Griff's Brain Dump, and it's me, Griff, obviously. How you doing? It is Sunday the, what is it? Sunday the 18th of April. I am uh, in a different room for the podcast. I'm in the studio, <laughs> the office, the box room, the dumping ground. All of those things. It's a multifaceted room I'm in right now. Um, this is where I probably will be recording the podcast going forward. Don't need to be in the car anymore. I'm in this room. I'm not sure if it's a soundproof booth. We'll see. Um, hasn't been set up in any sort of way to be a soundproof booth. It's just where my where I've got a nice comfortable chair to sit in and just a small room to not be disturbed. Um, but I'm near the front of the house, so I can still hear the road. Just give me that, you know, that comforting feeling of what it's like to, you know, hear traffic while on the pod. Just like it was when I was in the car, seeing cars go by, and um, not fearing any of them are going to clip my wind mirror while doing the pod. So, how are you doing? Um, are you getting used to being back to normality? I'm not. I'm clearly not. Shout out the ESN podcast. I was meant to be a guest on their podcast. And the 300th episode, flipping honoured to be invited on to be there with, with the guys, um, podcast legends. And um, got invited to be on. Was told the time to be ready. Um, even, they even said, see you there. And... Um, at about quarter two, the recording time, I messaged uh, Wahala from ESN. I said, "Hey, um, so what's the plan?" And he's like, "Um, he goes, I'm I'm running late, but Mr. Wolf's already there." And that's when it dawned on me that he invited me to be on the pod in person. You see, I'm not used to the old way of things. I'm not ready to be meeting people in person. Not I'm not ready, like not that I don't want to do it. My brain processed the invitation to be on the pod as a virtual invitation. Even though he said see you there, and when I read back the text, everything said in normal circumstances I'd read that as meeting someone at a place. But my brain just read it as virtual. I was here's the irony, right? I was out in London rushing around to make sure I could get back home. For recording time. Yeah, they, they recorded at 10 pm. So I was making sure I could get back home for 10 pm. Do you know do you want to know where I was at 9.15? Do you know where I was at 9.15 that night? Yesterday? 15 minutes away from where they recorded. <laughs> 15 minutes away. I'm not gonna say where they record because I'm not sure if that's widely uh known actually no is is no is no so um so they record that uh, in north london and i was literally in highgate i was 15 minutes away dropping off a laptop to a friend and he was like hey can you like hang out for a bit and i was like nah man i've got to get home because it's going to take me about 35 minutes to get home and I rushed home. Got in. I said, like, oh yeah, babe, you know, how's your day been? Blah, blah, blah. But I've got to get ready for this pod. Only to realise, damn, I was literally by the studio. I could have gone. Just, I could have just dropped in. I could have been the first one there. Easily been there. But um, yeah, you live and you learn. I'm slowly getting used to normal life. I mean, Friday I went out for a drink. A local drink at a local pub with local friends. Um... It was cool. It was strange to be out, like be sat outside. Like we're so desperate to be outside, so desperate to not be in our house. Actually, outside um, in weather that, if in normal normal circumstances, someone said, "Do you want to sit outside?" Like, are you mad? Get me a seat inside. This is not outdoor weather. But I wanted to be outside. Then yesterday, Saturday, um, had some work done in the kitchen. Then um, no, nothing seems to get done, like in one go, when it comes to getting work done in your house. Had 13 kitchen doors ordered and one of them was damaged. And what's so stupid is they're made to measure and these bastards give you 
48 hours a 48 hour window for when they're delivered to be able to report any damage now i checked them when they first came i don't think they were damaged so that's not to say that i damaged them i just don't think they were damaged but when you're having to check through 13 massive boxes of kitchen doors it's hard to inspect every aspect of the door and um so it's only when the guy who kind of fit the doors came round, which is let's say a week or two after they were delivered that's when we realized ah one of them's damaged so i've dropped a message to the kitchen door people and um i my gut tells me they're gonna say unlucky mate um tough shit if you want a new one order a new one i feel that's what they're gonna say um and if that's the case then i'm just gonna absorb that i don't have the heart for the fight don't have the heart for the fight i've seen their t's and c's the t's and c's are horrible but that's what i signed up to so um but if they hopefully have some just some goodwill where they go do you know what you, you bought 13 doors of us then look we'll we'll get this one done for you you're not trying to complain about all the doors no i'm not just just this one come on mate sort us out give us a discount something something please i don't know man and then um well so yeah so kitchen doors done then went to friends for a barbecue um down in brentford and that's when i was just driving around the north circle i got to highgate and if i just carried on carried on into north london just 15 minutes more would have been at the studio to be on the esm pod so i'm looking forward to listening to their podcast and hearing all the topics they've talked about that um that i would have liked to have been involved in um which is just gonna i know it's gonna piss me off listening to to their podcast <laughs> especially if they start talking about a topic where i'm like damn it i had so much to say about this but we'll see we'll see we'll see we'll see but um what else has been going on um in my life uh my knee's slowly recovering I've just been building furniture, more furniture, built this desk that I'm sat at, built this little um, filing cabinet that's next to me. So a few things, a few things have been been built. Um, what else? Had, had a few phone calls about projects as well. They've started picking up comedy um, type projects. So they said the world seems to be opening up, man. The world seems to be opening up. So I think what else is going on in my personal life um nothing much nothing much um my toes hurt my toes hurt i think my toes hurt because i don't moisturize my feet enough by enough i mean at all <laughs> my cuticles feel solid so i think i'm gonna have to start doing more kind of foot care it's just um it's just like such a just like the last part of your body you think about well i think about as a bloke you know i mean i just do the whole t-shirt creaming i just cream my face cream my forearms that same bit's gonna be seen by anyone don't worry and like i said my arms and face i look 33 chest and back 72 doesn't matter um but yeah i don't think anything else been really going on um in the personal life just yeah just sorting out the house that's it um all right so let's, let's tackle some of the issues in the world. Uh, what have we got? What have we got? We, we've got my list. Um, got some. I've got some football racism. Um, well, yeah, let's let's start there. I think. Here's pause. Look at the topics. They're all pretty. Meek. So um, she so had football racing. Had like um, Glenn Cap. Glenn Kamara um, getting a free match ban for um, reacting to racism while the guy who did the racism Andre uh, Cordella got a 10 game ban uh, for racism so what I think what happened was um, racist abuse was alleged to have been said um, by Cordella I can't say alleged anymore, it's been proven, it was, yeah, so it was alleged at the time, then he was found guilty of doing this, um, but at the time Glenn Kamara reacted violently in the tunnel and assaulted 
Cadella. Uh, and um, so I guess the conversation goes, you see a lot of conversation on, online talking about how can Kamara receive a free game ban when he's reacting to racism. You know, he shouldn't be banned at all. Um, and how comes this guy only got a 10 game ban? That's ridiculous. He should ban for life. Um, so let's tackle both things separately. Um, let's talk about Kamara's ban, free game ban for reacting to racism violently. He, he physically assaulted uh, the guy. He assaulted the guy in front of UEFA officials as well in the tunnel. Um, so should he get a free match ban for reacting to racism? The answer to that is yes. For me, definitely yes. You you reacting reaction or action whatever. An assault is still an assault. You're still a professional footballer. You can't just be attacking people. Um, I know you said racist things, um, but it's not self-defence if someone says something racist to you and then 10 minutes later you beat the shit out of them. (laughs) That's not not self-defence. Do I understand the reaction? Of course I do. Um, Would I want to give him a more lenient... Uh, punishment of course I would but it's written in the laws that if you do assault a player you're going to get a free game ban so I have no issue with Kamara's punishment here's the thing though his punishment seems odd only because of the context of where it's come from and in the sense of being juxtaposed against the what seems like quite a meek punishment for the actual racism itself you know if you're getting banned for 10 games for racism but only getting banned, banned for three games for reacting to it then it's kind of saying well it's bad but it's only slightly more bad like for example if you miss a drugs test not fail if you miss a drugs test you get like an eight game ban i mean eight month ban you can get from football eight months to a year fail drug test could be a year a year to two years yeah You'd be banned from playing football for not having your contract filed in time. Like you're just un- you're just unable to play. That's just an administrative thing that you can't play. Who did uh, Leicester sign? Leicester signed someone from Sporting Lisbon. They missed the registration date, so he was just there training with them and couldn't play. You know what I mean? Like so, you can stop players from playing for administrative reasons. You can stop players playing for drugs. And what that shows to me as a fan, shows to the public, is it the length of punishment shows you how badly you deem the offence, quite simply. If the offence is really bad, you give a longer punishment. If it's not that bad, then it's kind of a slap on the wrist. Now, a 10-game ban is not a lot, especially if your logo or your slogan in terms of racism is say no to racism, which I think is probably one of the dumbest and most pointless flipping statements you could say say no to racism like say no who's offering racism why would you say no let me say no like oh um, what would you like oh, I'd like um, some I'd like uh, probably a Jack Daniels please okay thank you and you I'll have a have a pint pint of Carlin please okay do if you want any racism no Say no to racism, kids. It's like, that makes no sense. Why would you be saying no to racism? What context, what situation can you even say yes to racism or say no? It's not a kind of thing you opt in and opt out of. That's just not how racism works. We all know that. What is it talking about? So to ban someone for 10 games to me just shows you don't really take racism that seriously. Especially if you're actually found guilty. Now, I can understand... Um, if they didn't find him guilty and it's just like oh well you know we feel like we should do something but to have a guy do this get banned for 10 games have his club call the the victim a liar still to be proven that he did do the racism and then to go weeks later play against Arsenal and when it comes comes to kneeling um, against racism, again, just a token gesture, doesn't really do anything. 
even if you are a racist, doesn't really hurt your feelings that much to do it. You all stand up in a defiant way. Which, yeah, everyone knows I'm a Tottenham fan, but I was really happy to see Lacazette just bagging some goals against them. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was good. Um, yeah. And it's just, it's just ridiculous that when this racism happens, you know, they said it on the Guardian Football podcast that you, as the victim, what you need to do is you need to stay calm. Uh, essentially, what they ask you to do is stay calm, take a detailed log of everything that's happening and also make sure you can have corroborating evidence and witnesses and then bring that forward to UEFA for them to go uh, right, 10 games you know what I mean like you're the victim and you have to be like alright what, what actually happened what time was it you know it's just it's just ridiculous and I guess that's kind of touches on to law in general you know just how we treat victims in any kind of crime it's just down to the victim to to, to remember everything that happened um, now I get it, it's innocent to proving guilty uh, I get it that the onus is on the is on, on the accuser I guess to prove that you know the prosecution to prove that the defendant actually did the thing they said they did rather than defend them to prove they didn't do it I mean I understand that as the principle but I don't know there's I don't know there's something that just I guess because racism is obviously my thing being black but I don't know it's just you're becoming, I kind of become resigned to football and racism, man. And I can't even dig out football can't, because, like I said, football is just a part of society. Part of society as a whole. Um, when you're talking about other things in society, let's talk about police brutality. Let's talk about Dante Wright. Uh, let's talk about, uh, is it Adam Toledo as well? So Dante Wright was the guy who... Um, who got shot by the police officer who thought they had a taser in their hand. Um, now, I've heard the audio of this. I'm not sure if there's actually any video of, of the Dante Wright um, murder. Um, but I've heard the audio of her drawing her weapon, screaming taser, taser, taser. And then shooting him and go, oh no, I've shot him. Now, I mean, it's hard. I don't want to talk about all the stuff around it. Because all the stuff around it, I think, is is up for opinion, up for a debate. Somewhat other bits aren't. You know, you could argue about, you know, should he have been trying to break away and run run away from, from the police? Should the police have even stopped him for this traffic violation that's not actually that big of a deal and especially that's a delay in getting correct tags for traffic stuff in, in the state they're in right now because of COVID? You know, you can argue about that stuff. But I want to focus on the taser element, right? And his thing with the taser element is um, I think people could make genuine mistakes. I genuinely think they can. Um, I think that in the heat of the moment uh, you can draw for one weapon and think it's a different one I think that can happen I think that can happen I also think that even if you have 20 over 20 years experience and you're actually a veteran officer I think you're still human you're still prone to mistakes I think that can happen definitely think that can happen however here's the thing there's some jobs that it doesn't matter how new or how experienced you are how understandable or how ununderstandable it is you can't make those kind of mistakes you can't accidentally kill someone in a job and be like oh whoops you know what i mean you can't, you can't do that any other job in the world if you're a doctor and it's like oh no i thought this was 50 milligrams of this drug didn't realize it was 150 whoops you can't do that pilot oh i thought the runway was there it's actually a mile to the left whoops can't do that yeah people have more inconsequential uh like in inconsequential kind of results of their their fuck-ups in life right and they still get sacked 
you know what I mean? You can still get sacked for stuff. You still get disciplinary. So if she goes unpunished on this, it's ridiculous. Now, let's bring it into the racism thing. Now, is this racist what happened to this guy? I don't know. Is he an unarmed black man who's died at the hand of police? Yes. Is it racist? Don't know. Is it still a travesty that it's happened? Oh, 100%. Um, and it's just this... It's just a bit nuts with the, with the police in, in the US, it seems. I know it happens here um, as well, but it just feels a bit nuts with the police in the US. And that Adam Toledo kid, he's like 13 years old, unarmed. And again, they, they lied. Uh, they lied about... Uh, about what happens and said that he resisted and and then the videos come out I haven't watched the video I've just seen a still of the video of him stood there with his arms up with no weapon and they shot him dead and okay it's, it's I, I generally believe probably most police officers in the US join the police because they want to stop the bad guys I think they do I think they generally want to stop the bad guys most of them but the pay that they get is too low for the risks that they face and the trading is too insufficient for the skill that's required for the job so you mix an underpaid job with underskilled workers and undertrained workers and what you're going to have is dissatisfied uh, disorganized the unqualified dangerous people on the streets in uniform with a license to just act how they want you've seen it you see it so many times in in these uh, kind of stops from videos in the us where the officer just seems to get so frazzled so quickly like it's to the point where it's like if you really do take a step back and you know I tend to think of you know racism happens on many levels you can happen on a very conscious level where it's like I, I hate black people that could be your conscious level of racism but then I think there's another level where it's just so deep rooted where it's like they see a black man and they literally see a threat and they just go into panic and if you ask them they'll be like why were you so panicked they wouldn't articulate they wouldn't Either they wouldn't be able to or they wouldn't want to articulate it. But it's that deep-rooted that it's like, I'm scared. I generally believe these officers are scared. And I'm not saying this is a thing of, oh, poor officers. No, I'm saying, like, man the fuck up and get trait so you're not scared. But what's happening, it seems like they're generally scared. They pull someone over. They, they, and he's think they're scared, but not scared enough to just let it go. It's almost like they're in the thing of, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a police officer, so I want to let this go, but I, I need to stop them because you know they're, they're a bad guy. It's a black guy. I'm scared. And so now they're approaching the guy, nervous, gun drawn already. Now the black guy's like, whoa, what are you doing? And now they're left there like, you, you know when you're doing something dumb, you do something stupid and you're being called out on it? You now feel more stupid and more dumb. So you you either have to be humble and be like, do you know what? Yeah, let me just put the gun away. I'm, I'm, being, I'm acting crazy right now. Or we're going to double down and be like, you know, get your hands out of the vehicle and, and all that nonsense. And just screaming. Like you hear some of these police officers talking. This, they're literally screaming. And it's like, mate, this is a routine traffic stop. Why are you so panicked? Calm down. Don't reach in the vehicle. Put your hands out. Step out of the vehicle. Don't touch the vehicle. And then they all start shouting conflicting instructions. And then it, it's just, it becomes just a heightened situation. I read this book by Malcolm Gladwell. I can't remember which, what it's called, which one it is. But he talks about interviews with police. And just how zero to ten they go with fear. And it's just like, well then who are you putting out on the street? Increase your training. Your officers should not be out on the street scared of civilians. Otherwise don't be a police officer. It's like being a doctor and being scared of blood. Imagine you go to a doctor, you're going to have an operation, yeah? Or an emergency, sorry. Let's, let's try and make it as close to police. So paramedics, call 999. 
or 911 in America, emergency services, come, they come. This is the equivalent, it's like a paramedic rocking up, someone's broke their leg and the paramedic just starts screaming. It was a calm situation, the guy's there in pain, it's like, ah, I think I've broken my leg. And now the paramedic just starts screaming, oh my god, it's blood, ah, 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 just screaming, screaming about the blood and then faints. And now, now the person bleeds out and dies. We wouldn't accept it. Like you've got to be qualified for the job. Even if it is this deep fear. Get qualified. Get trained. So when you see blood you don't panic. Get trained. Get qualified. That when you see a black man. You don't panic. If that's the thing you're so scared of. Get some training. Because it's, it's ridiculous now. It's, it's ridiculous that we're just seeing incompetence. Negligence, ineptitude, all the time. It's just, it's, it's boring. It's getting boring. It, it, so they need to, oh, they just need to fix it. They fix it massively. Um, but yeah, the world's just been depressing. You've got the bloody volcano in Saint Vincent. Um, was it Le Soufrière? Le Soufrière. Um, and it seems that people really struggling there. They've got water. The island's been cut off of water. Um, I know the World Bank has donated like £20 million from last time I checked. And the UK government, I think, have managed to muster up £200,000. It roughly works out to be £1.80 per person um, for a country that's in the Commonwealth. You know that wonderful Commonwealth? You know the Commonwealth, the Commonwealth that the Queen loves so much, the Commonwealth, you know, that Prince Philip did so much for the Commonwealth and everyone in the Commonwealth is so sad that Prince Philip dies because the Commonwealth, the Commonwealth, the UK, you know, it's the Commonwealth. The UK is not anything about the Commonwealth. No, not the British Empire. No, no, it's the Commonwealth, you see, because we're the Commonwealth. We're all one. We're common. Common in the wealth, wealth of commonness, we're common in the wealth, wealth, Commonwealth. St. Vincent, part of the Commonwealth. St. Vincent's in trouble. Who? Sent who? Whom? It's an unknown who. So whom? Yeah, I mean this Commonwealth that we're all meant to be a part of, but then Saint Vincent get into trouble with a volcano, and UK's just gone. We we don't know anything about it. I I saw some people say I see this a lot on you know on Facebook when people go, I ain't even seen it in the press. I'm like, it probably is in the press. You just haven't found it on the stupid websites you read the waffle oh let me have a look and i saw it reported in two uk outlets right um that was the guardian and um i think it was inews guardian inews but when i clicked those articles do you know who wrote those articles ap associated press which means that the, they didn't even write the article They've literally just ripped it from another website. That's all they've done. This Associated Press write the article, and they ripped from. And the reason I knew this is because I was trying to work. I was trying to find out how much the EU had put towards Saint Vincent, right? Um, because I know the EU had worked with the UN. That I saw that in in the article, um, in in the Guardian. So I thought, oh, let me just click. Let me copy that. Google, and another article came. In, on iNews and as I was reading I was like wait this is word for word the same article I'm seeing in the Guardian and I saw he wrote in it, it said AP News then when I went back to Guardian it was like Associated Press in Kingstown I was like so they can't be bothered to to cover it they've literally just copy and paste and gone oh, I can have that don't give a shit seriously I'm, I'm on Google right now um and the most recent article, when I just type in St. Vincent and the Grenadines. Um, actually, let's just take, let's put St. Vincent. Let's give them a chance. Let's, let's give them St. Vincent Volcano. Um, two days ago is the most recent one. Two days ago on The Guardian, that was written by Associated Press. Um, BBC, I think, will write their own one. And... It's just a video with a musician, Daniel Capelin, who has worked with Rudimental. Okay, so this looks like he's green screen in it. Um, I grew up in St. Vincent. Fair enough, so they tried to do like a kind of personal thing there. 
but still not really the news covering it. They just go, oh, you're from St. Vincent. If you want to talk about it, fine. We ain't going to stop you, but it's whatever. Um, the Economist have covered it. Well, who's drafted this article in The Economist? Again, you have to subscribe for that. So it's, it's not really... Economist, again, it's a specialist newspaper. Like, I'm talking about your mainstream ones. You know, where's your Daily Mail? We love talking about the Commonwealth. You, you want to be British? Yeah, love Britain. If you don't love Britain, piss off. Commonwealth. Rule. Tell ya. All right, cool. All right, well, let's talk about the Commonwealth. Common what? Said what? Who's that? Like, it's, it's nonsense. Sky News. Oh, four days ago. Sky News. There you go. There's a major news outlet four days ago. Who who drafted this? Who drafted this article? Because I've just seen the same wording as the one I saw in the Associated Press. Yeah, let's see. Let's see. Will they even bother put who drafted this? Nope. No name, no name to the article. <laughs> no one's even put the name to the article. Can't be asked. <laughs> Can't be asked. They don't. Literally don't care. Let's let's see. Actually, let me make sure that Sky News. Alright, I'll, I'll give Sky News this. No one puts the name to articles on on Sky News. I'll give him that because I just clicked on something about Wembley. Right, fair enough. But it's still shit, though. I still stick to my point that it's very shit. Very, very, very shit. That this just the coverage has just been whew, bird boxed. Um, and I guess risking talk, talking on the comedy comedians union here. Um, I saw obviously White Yardy was calling out a lot of. Um, I guess Caribbean uh, comedians about what they're doing. Are they doing more? And entertainers, um, which for me, I I get it, I understand it. Um, but I saw some people take objection to that simply because he's white and they feel like he benefits from. Um, he benefits from you know being a novelty act with or being a white guy with a Caribbean accent, and my view is if he had done nothing, people would be slagging him off for being quiet when this happened, even though he's not from St Vincent, uh, it's Jamaica he grew up in, and now he spoke up about it and he's tried to drum up support and attention from other people. Other people have gone, well, hold on, you. You're white. You don't have a go at black people about what they do and what they don't do. I've seen some people suggest that he should be talking to other white people who proclaim to love the Caribbean so much. Why is he not speaking to them? It is the thing. He's not speaking to them because they're not his mates. <laughs> they're not people he knows. Why is he... Meant to... I saw someone say he needs to speak to Piers Morgan and... Um... Simon Cowell, Richard Branson, just people. Who, I was like, well, because they're all white, doesn't mean they know each other. Um, but the point does remain that those people who do live there, maybe it shouldn't be white yard who talks to them. But it would it would be interesting to see what they do. But listen, these people they don't tend to put their business out there, so I can't say whether they have or haven't. Um, they probably have. They have a nice little tax write off. Why not? Pretty sure they would. Fully get involved in that. Right, let's. Um, how long have I been talking for? Uh, we are at 34 minutes. I think it's time for some Dear Deirdre. Get it on the laptop. Easier to read rather than reading it on the phone. Uh, let's go. Right. Um, let's just let's just right click these. So we've got that one coming up. Oh, definitely getting that one. Nice. Especially that. Um, yeah, that sounds dumb as well. And is there any more for any more? Yeah. All right, let's uh, 
Let's go for that one. Okay. Let's see. Right. Let's go. Dear Deirdre, I fear my marriage, for my marriage is over. Um, oh, come on. Come on, website. I thought, do I, what I've done, I've tried to open too many tabs at once. Um, I've got the internet for it. That's what I should tell you about. Yeah, I've got Virgin Internet installed. Uh, 200 meg per second um, is what my download speed is. Still takes me ages to open up web pages. It makes me think that it's probably just my laptop is crap. <laughs> All this time I thought it was the slow internet that was stopping me from doing things. Nah, it's just my crummy laptop. Anyway, let's go. So, dear Deirdre. Um, I feel my marriage is over after my cousin caught me cheating on my wife. Ah! It's your cousin though rather than her cousin. So that's that's a bit of advantage there. It's your cousin female. Because then they're going to have that sisterhood union. And you're done for mate. Let's see wherever. Dear Deirdre. With a loving wife, two sons, a wonderful home and a great job. I consider myself a lucky man. But you just want to go and mess it all up. I get it. <laughs> You just got everything there lined up and you just does you just want to mess it up. We all we've all been there. You've all had that right. You just you've got a nice meal, you haven't enjoyed your meal, having a great time, got a lovely drink and you thought, no, right, let me stand up, pull my trousers down, piss in my food. I was having a lovely time, but I just thought let me mess it up. This guy said he's got a loving wife, two sons, a wonderful home and a great job. But he's just like, nah, life's too easy. Obstacle course. I get it, mate. I get it. Why well, take the easy route when you can just take the traumatic, horrible, messed up route? I don't understand, mate. Um, I don't understand for the record. Anyway, as a bonus, I have a beautiful... As a bonus, I also have a beautiful mistress. This arsehole. Love it, though. Um, I was happy with this setup until some of my family discovered my secret. And now I'm worried it will all come spilling out. It always does, my friend. Some of those who... No, think I'm super mad for keeping everything spinning, or others think I'm disrespectful and take the mick out of both women. I'm 42, my wife is 41, we married 10 years ago. Um, our sons are 9 and 8. I met my mistress, who is 34, five years ago. Our city is small, and I've been careful to cover my tracks. However, my cousin saw me kissing my mistress, and now he has told other cousins. Jesus! Here's the problem of having secrets and things like that. It's very hard to contain. Once you get a leak, that leak can explode and the damage control is nuts. Because it's one thing grabbing one of your cousins by the shoulder and going, listen, you can't tell anyone. But when that and he's like, okay, the problem is I've told seven other people. He said, now you've got to run around and go to each of those people, hands on the shoulders. You can't tell anyone. They're like, it's too late. I've already told six other people. It's really, no, you, that's that's 50 odd people who know this secret. And then they don't, and some people don't know you. But sometimes the secret's bad when it's in the hands of someone who knows you. Sometimes it's worse when it's in the hands of someone who doesn't know you because they don't know who you know. They don't even know what they're talking about. It's like, oh, my mate, yeah, he, my, his cousin. And then they start telling this story. And they're like, what's his name? It's like his name's Steve. Like, Steve? And is his wife called Janice? It's like, yeah. And do they live in like South London? It's like, yeah. Like Sydenham? It's like, yeah. Just like, oh my God. See, now you realise shit. You've just gone told Janice's cousin. See what I mean? Anyway, answer to stress, my mistress told me Three months ago, she's pregnant with my baby. Jesus. I tried to persuade her to move to Scotland to calm everything down. She's just trying to exile her. Brilliant. She's thinking it over, but I'm worried as I'm not sure our relationship would last as a long distance one. It won't. I was 100% dedicated to my wife when we first married, but after five years, she's hardly made any effort with me and our sex life was non-existent. Uh, I met my mistress through our local swimming club. We got to know each other after, uh, get to know each other as we grabbed a coffee afterwards. Um, I wouldn't stop fantasising about having sex with her on the poolside. Uh, I knew she fancied me too, and one evening we met for a drink. We only had one glass before hurrying back to hers for sex. It's such a disaster. I love my wife and wouldn't ever want to lose my sons, but I'm terrified she might find out and I'll lose my mistress and unborn child. You have 
concocted a wonderful nonsense in your life that's what i find so funny about these things it's like no one's forced him to have this nonsense in his life but he's managed to just go you know what my life was pretty straightforward but let me just sprinkle some nonsense in there just to make it a bit more spicy and you've succeeded my friend uh, my advice to you would be um not to exile your your mistress to scotland um because even though you want to keep your wife your uh that child is still yours and that woman will become very resentful if you've ever been to scotland you'll know why um, <laughs> you can't just like, unless she actually unless you guys actually live near scotland and it doesn't isn't as dramatic then fine but you can't just send her to scotland especially if scotland have a referendum they'll come independent they've just sent her to another country what are we going to do then if she's your mistress i imagine she knows you're married but still it's a bit nuts she how how long do you think she's going to be okay with just being shipped off to scotland not very long and it's going to come back it's going to fall on your head even heavier only information own the situation you need to tell your wife first about everything um well actually find out if this kid's yours first find out if the kid's yours first if it is then you're gonna have to tell your wife if it isn't then you just break things off with the woman break things off with her and be like right well i'll never speak to you again um but if you if it's yours yeah you have to come clean to your wife because you can't have her first knowing about it with this baby woman and baby rocking up on your doorstep and um I mean, just see how it goes from there really that's it <laughs> that's it all right where it hurts girlfriend ridicules size of my manhood and says ex-lovers were bigger well there was no need for that why why would she say this dear dearie my girlfriend ridicules the size of my penis she tells me that most of her ex-boyfriends were at least two or three inches bigger than me and that one was even twice the size of me why would she tell you this like did you ask to i can only think that you you've come with insecurity and you've asked her you've asked her this question she's i don't want to talk about it. it's weird it's like, oh, come on just tell me like i'm i'm the biggest you've had and she's like no you're like what i think I, that's my only explanation she can't just volunteer this information that'd be weird i like if anyone I dated volunteered the information, one I had one ex who alluded to that before, um, and I just told her to calm down. <laughs> That's all I said. I just said you you just need to you need to calm down. Just you. <laughs> That's last all. That's all I said. But um, because I don't need to hear that. I didn't ask. I'm not an insecure guy, but I'm not that secure. I'm interviewing you about exes. I don't know. So no. Anyway. Um, so despite her put downs about it, she always orgasms and says that I'm good in bed. So I don't understand why she feels the need to humiliate me sometimes in front of her friends. Jesus, this is weird. I'm 27. And she's 28. We've been together for three years. So you're obviously big enough, mate. Been together for three years and she orgasms. I'm beginning to think it would be a good idea to let her sleep with more well-endowed men every now and again. Otherwise, I'm likely to lose her. Why are you talking about? What's well, going to come back for just getting slonged out by someone else? And then you're going to be, that's going to make you feel better. No, not at all. Surely it'd be better to be cuckolded than single. My God, what happened to you? Where's Where's your father? Like, where? <laughs> where is your Where is the man then? Where are the lads? Where's your father? Where's your uncles? Where's your granddad? Like, someone needs to give you a slap in the face and draw a slap, boy, and get some sense into you. How is this a consideration? Like, no, do not be cuckolded. How is that going to help your self-esteem? Seeing a guy double the size of you, like you said. That's pamming your missus. And her having the time of her life. 
Did you like that, babes? What? Anyway, age gap fears. I've fallen in love with a waitress who's 12 years younger than me. Nah, mate. Drop it. Nah, it depends how old you are. I guess if you're 54 and uh, she's 42, yeah, fine. Crack on. I mean, I don't know any 42-year-old waitresses. I'm not saying you can't be a waitress of 42. I just I don't know any 42-year-old waitresses. But, um, hey, if you're 24 and she's 12, then uh, let's just leave that alone. Anyway, let's see. I've fallen in love with a waitress who is 12 years younger than me. Um, dear Deirdre, I've fallen in love with a waitress a lot younger than me. We met when we were working in the same pub last summer. Okay, try and work how old you are. Let's see. We got on well. And had a fleeting kiss after work one night. I'm 31, she's 19. Ugh. There's nothing wrong with it, but there's not anything right with it, you know? I'm 33. The idea of talking to a 21-year-old, um, like, seriously, like, as I'm getting older, it's a hard thing to resolve. I was talking about, talking about this with my mate, that obviously as she get older, the window of women that you find attractive obviously gets bigger because as you get older you know you, you do a cut off so you get to 21 and you're like oh i don't need to look at girls who are like i don't know like 19. then you get to 25 and it's like oh, see, it's still 19 so the window gets bigger but then you get to like 30 so i've got to pull that back up to 25 and then you know what i mean so it expands the contracts so for me, 21, I'd be able to say attractive woman. Wouldn't it feel weird about saying the woman's attractive at 21? But the idea of pursuing something with someone that age is nuts to me. Just, just imagine to be so irritating. <laughs> just so irritating. So, I don't know. I mean, you both work in the same pub. You might have things in common. Like, I'm not going to... I'm not gonna make you feel like a weirdo about it, but it's just, eh, it's not for me. Right, she had just spelt with her boyfriend, so she says she wanted to take things slowly. Since December, we've only met for walks and shared a couple of kisses. She started university in January, where she's studying to be a nurse and has stopped applying to texts. Oh, she's not interested, mate. Now she says she isn't, uh, isn't ready for a relationship and only wants to be friends. Should I wait for her? I'd be happy to as I'd like to have a family with her. Jesus, you, know what? you sound like a simpleton. You sound like a simple guy who works in a pub. You probably wash the pots. You know, and she's, she's the cute wait waitress that all the guys in the pub like. Oh, I want to be served by her. <laughs> and then, um, and then you've got hyped because you kissed her a few times. And she's, she's a small village girl. Like you're a small village man, but now she's gone to university and there's boys her age who are way cooler than you. Um, their, their beards connect and all sorts. And <laughs> now she's like, yeah, we, we could just be friends, mate. Because she knows you're not a bad guy. So she doesn't really mean to you, but there's, there's nothing happening. So what you need to do is not wait for her because she's got way more time to wait than you. She's 19 she can she can literally fuck up for 10 years and still not really have an effect on her life she's 29 she could just get it back on the rails then and just sort life out then whereas you you'll be 41 by then um no and when you're trying to talk to other women after that and you're just like yeah my ex is she have any ex when you try to tell that story to people, I've been waiting for her for this long and now she's not interested. No, don't do it, mate. Don't do it. Anyway, last one, World War Three. Uh, three generations of family are living in our house and it feels like chaos. Dear Deirdre, ever since my daughter from my first marriage came to live with me uh, and my second husband, it's felt like World War Three. I'm 63. My husband's 65. My daughter is 39. After her marriage broke up, we invited her and the two, two children to live with us. Why did you do that? I know she's your child, but the, the idea is way worse than the reality. Everyone thinks their door's open for their kids, but then you realise your kids are adults and you've enjoyed your life without any of these adult bastards in your house for like a good 10 years. You don't want them back in your house. Anyway, I knew it would be a squash because my 29-year-old daughter from my second marriage is also living here 
with her boyfriend after they were made redundant. You're just trying to be good people, but this is a nightmare. So you've got your your kids, they're half-siblings, I don't know if they get on or not. One's there with a boyfriend and kids. And the other one's there just with her, no, sorry, they don't have kids. She's there with her boyfriend and the other one's there with her kids. It's going to be terrible. It's going to be terrible. Daughters as well. I know it's going to just be absolute warfare. Let's see. But I didn't expect the toxic atmosphere my youngest has created. It seems because the youngest was here first, she thinks she has priority. She's unpleasant to my eldest daughter and her... Ah, because, yeah, because this... The second one, the youngest daughter, it's her dad, isn't it? Right. It's her dad. So... You know, some people even in adult age, they have so much unresolved shit. Like, I'm lucky that I just grew up with, like, normal adults in, in my life. So, um, so if, even if they do harbour any weird feelings, I've never seen it. But, you know what I mean? Like, I, I just... All my siblings are technically half-siblings, and I've never... We've never had any of this weirdness, this toxic atmosphere that seems to be described or builded up here. And stuff. But there's adults out there who do just have these things like, just jealous, proper jealous of their siblings. Hate one of their parents because their parents has got, got a new partner or they hate one of their parents because they think they love that sibling more than them. It's nuts out here. But anyway... Um, she's unpleasant my eldest daughter and her children and constantly whinges about them to my husband who won't challenge her. I told my younger daughter and her boyfriend they need to be more understanding but it hasn't made any difference. Um, you need to talk to your husband. Talk to your husband. Get him on side. He should be on side of you anyway. And get him to just put your daughter in check so it doesn't come from you. She'll probably like listen a bit more. If it comes from him, if it comes from her, she's like, oh, of course you're going to pick her. You love her more than me. Yeah. But if it comes from her dad, who's not, you know, the dad of your eldest daughter, she might actually go, ah, do you know what? I am being a dick. I mean, that very rarely happens. When you call someone a dick, they tend to act more of a dick while denying they're acting like a dick. It's just, it's the dick effect. That's what I call it. You call out someone for being a dick. They act more like a dick while denying they're acting like a dick. It's, that's the dick effect. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes for you. But that's the end of the pod. I've almost done the hour. I wasn't even meant to talk for this long. But so I have. So, um, yeah, that's it. Um, next week, oh, hopefully I've been on the ESN pod. <laughs> Episode 301 of the podcast. Jeez. Uh, we'll see, we'll see, see if it all goes to plan, if I can actually read my text properly, and I'm ready for the outside world, getting ready to meet people outside again, even though that's what I was doing yesterday, jeez, I don't know, anyway people, that's the end of the pod, peace!